Hello, my name is Ray Montgomery. I'd like to welcome you to the Navigating Blindness podcast. And on today's show, I have Michelle Schaefer, licensed clinical social worker and adjustment counselor at Bosma Center for Visionary Solutions. How's it going today, Michelle? It's good. Thank you for having me. All right. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. I wanted to bring you on the podcast because May is Mental Health Awareness Month. And I really believe uh, you are a great person really to have on the show today to really give our audience some tips and tricks on how to avoid the burnout, as we like to say. So welcome, Michelle. Welcome. Thank you. How how long have you uh, been a licensed clinical social worker, Michelle? Uh, since 1987, so about 30 some years, and not all of it at Bosma, but in various settings, including mental health and corrections, and then here working with people who've lost vision. Okay, and um, your role at Bosma, could you uh, really explain your role at Bosma as the adjustment counselor and what you do to help individuals who are newly blinded uh, regain their self confidence and you know, some of the things they may have lost after losing their vision? Yeah, um, people come to the rehab center frequently within a year to two years after losing their sight. And they're still trying to find their way emotionally through a traumatic event. And um, so my role is to listen to them and help them build the supports they need and kind of work from a place of trauma to a place of being able to take action and rebuild. So that's what we're focusing on at the rehab center. So when the individual comes to Bosma's rehab center and they they just really uh, really wanted to deal with you know the fact that they right now cannot no longer see, mm-hmm. what are the, some of the things that you uh, do with them once they get to the rehab center? What kind of uh, training uh, do you provide once they get to the rehab center? Um, I work with them once or twice a week individually, and then I have group with them as well. And at first, it's getting out those feelings, figuring out where are they in that adjustment process. And depending on how many other issues they may have in their life, depending on supports, depending on a lot of things, they may need more or less help with that. Um, But kind of figuring out where they are in the process and trying to move them one step forward. First of all, by gaining new skills and taking things back instead of losing things, but also accessing the support system, which is really, really important to that adjustment. And being able to be heard just as it is, because I think many people filter it for their family. They don't want to tell their family maybe how bad they've really felt. Um, And of course, always assessing for their safety in terms of being suicidal, things like that. Yeah, well, how how important is it really to get those emotions, those feelings off your chest without, you know, letting that stuff build up and fester up. How important is that for a person, not just a person who just lost their sight, but just anybody, you know, dealing with any type of emotional scars? Yeah, let's talk about any kind of trauma because the world around us is full of them. And vision loss is certainly a serious one. But when we're traumatized, we either work through that or we get stuck, depending on if we can get those feelings out if we have enough support, if we have things to look forward to. Um, A sense of hope is key to that, but we're surrounded by traumatic events. And so we have to be aware that that can paralyze us to some extent. There's a lot of substance abuse that comes from that. There's a lot of sitting on the couch. There's a lot of sleeping. I mean, those are things people can do to avoid dealing with that. And we're trying to push them to re-engage and access new skills and build a future um, so always trying to build that future what if that person doesn't want to re-engage right now what if they you know don't feel 
happy or really want to be around people right now? What what do you tell that individual? Yeah, we certainly see that, right? That they're not ready to do that. And I think part of it comes from being in this environment and taking it very slowly and just saying, tell me what you think about it. Tell me a good memory. Tell me something you do look forward to. And frequently, if people have children, they will do it for the people around them, even if they don't want to do it for themselves. Um, and so giving them the time and space, again, to express the emotions, develop some routines that are a little healthier. Maybe they've been sleeping all day, staying up all night, getting them kind of back into a schedule, getting them learning again, even if they're not thrilled with that. All of And being around other people who have been through the same events are certainly critical to helping them want to move forward. And it, it may take a long time for some people and just being able to pace pace our response to what they need and being aware that everybody's different. Even though it might be the same experience, it's very, very different for each person. So so um, when you talk about mental health, is are there signs to show that somebody may be dealing with a mental health issue? When, If so, what are those signs that we should be looking out for? I think poor self-care is one of those indicators. Not doing the things they usually do automatically. Um, certainly any talk of hurting themselves or other people, or I just don't want to be here anymore, those kind of phrases we're going to pay attention to. But any major disruption in what you're used to from that person might warrant a question of, are you doing okay? And it's okay to ask that, because um, if they need help, you'll there's plenty of ways to access that help for them if you don't know what to do. But certainly paying attention to change in pattern any kind of talk of giving up or or wanting to do harm to others, certainly those are the red flags. But, you know, Michelle, after you lose your vision or experience any type of traumatic incident, I know a lot of people want to give up at that time. So how do you know if they're serious or how do you how do you know if they're serious or not? I would ask them directly what they've been yes. thinking about that, because frequently people hide those thoughts of maybe I've had thoughts of suicide. Maybe I've had attempts. They're reluctant to bring that out, thinking something will happen to them. But I think it's a direct question that's worth asking because many people go through at least a moment of that. And it doesn't mean they're going to do that, but they've had those thoughts. So just talking about that directly and saying, where are you at with that at this point? Do you have a plan for that? Do you have a method of doing that? How far have you gone with that? And kind of digging into that and not being afraid to ask. And then working to ensure their safety, for sure, if they're in the middle of that. Yeah, you definitely, definitely check check on your loved ones all the time, you know. And don't be afraid to ask directly, have you had thoughts of hurting yourself? And you don't have to know what to do. There are plenty of people who know what to do if you need help. But it, but it, somebody has to ask. Yeah. So, so what is, what do you do? You know, you feeling burnt out. What, what do you do now? Do you take a vacation? Do you, do you read a book? I mean, how do you, how do you regain that, that, that feeling of self-worth after you may have, you know, felt like you're not, you're worthless right now? I think it often happens more in small steps, like resuming your normal routines, eat three times a day, sleep eight hours, take that shower every day, start with that personal care and do maybe one thing you enjoy or reach out to one person. If you don't want to talk to anybody, reach out to one person you care about and just check in with them. Put yourself in a position to listen to others and 
and do something for others and, and kind of stop being so internal, <laughs> you know, stop being so self-focused and reach out a little bit and try to do something, you know, but maybe it's one thing today. I'm going to walk to my mailbox and get the mail. But what if the one thing you want to do, you no longer can do? Yeah. You have to find new things, right? Um, because maybe you used to like to drive frequently. Right. That's one that people say when they come to the rehab center, I love to get in the car and drive. And I miss that. Right. right. So you have to find some alternative, maybe going for a walk or calling somebody up for lunch or choosing something else that you could also enjoy. We don't have to say that if it can't be what it always was, it's no good. It could be another good thing. So let's go back to uh, your blindness and dealing with uh, adjustment, adjusting to blindness. Um, so at our center, we help individuals who are newly blinded regain the life skills they need to uh, become self-sufficient and you know, independent at the end of the day. So talk about some of the group settings that you do, one-on-one -on -one sessions that you do uh, with the clients to help them uh, know that they're not alone. One-on-one, -on -one, we're certainly talking about whatever is important to them. It might be the feelings they have about blindness. It might be that blindness is one more trauma in a series of many. It might be that they're worried about their marriage or their families. So any of those things are fair game in individual work. In groups, um, it's good for people to share where they're each at in that adjustment process and encourage one another. So certainly we do talk about that. We also talk about how to rebuild. What's a step toward rebuilding? We talk about making a support system if you don't have one. How do you start that? Um, and the importance of that now, you can't be a loner when you're new to vision loss or you can't do that very well. People try, right? Um, but how, the importance of that support system and the importance of realizing that blindness isn't your personal identity. It's just a piece of what's happened and taking back the other parts of who you are for yourself and and understanding also employment kind of related things. How do I have the confidence to approach going back to work? Um, you said something uh, interesting. You said something about uh, building that support system. How do you go about building a support system if you don't really have a strong support system? Because sometimes, you know, family, you know, sometimes family, friends, sometimes you can be abandoned, you know, once yes. you go through a traumatic incident, such as losing your vision or whatever it may be. So talk about building a support system. Um, frequently people, I think, disappear because they don't know what they're supposed to do. <laughs> um, so people do find that the support system kind of vanishes sometimes and they don't have that. And I say start with one person here at Bosme, either an instructor or your fellow classmates. Start your support system there and, and check a neighbor or an old friend or a cousin or whoever you can reach out to and mm -hmm. tell them what you want. Because they don't know if you don't say, hey, I could use some supports or I need someone to help with this or that. They can't guess. So it's a bit of our responsibility to kind of reach out to whoever we can find. So for some people, it's organizations that support blindness. For some people, it's bowling leagues. For some people, it's a church. It might be in the community if it's not your immediate family or friends. Um, but you kind of have to start with one person and go from there. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about your Saturday seminars. When is the next Saturday seminar? Um, how can people uh get involved with the next Saturday seminar? 
Um, Saturday seminars are a time for clients and family and friends to get together. And we usually have breakfast. And then we talk about sometimes things related to blindness, but frequently it's a common mental health kind of like how to deal with anger or how to build self-esteem or how to cope with stress. Um, we're rebuilding this year's schedule. It's not out yet. We may do some different things because yeah. we've been doing them for a while. So that, that remains to be seen exactly what that will be. But the point of that is number one, to build some community and then to talk about common mental health issues and get some tips and encouragements to do better with our mental health. You said something about how to deal with uh, anger, how to deal with stress. So how does a person, you know, deal with stress if they are having that issue? Well, anger is a very common, as you know, issue in this building, as is a lot of stress, right? Because one of your senses is missing and everything changes. So, so I think, first of all, we have to realize that stress is common to man. We're not singled out for it. It's a common event in life. And building a concept called resiliency or the will to get back up, even when it's hard and thinking about, am I resilient or could I do a little better at that? Um, and not feeling so singled out for hard events. And then avoiding substance abuse is critical to dealing with stress because that is going to depress you more <laughs> and add to your stresses. So avoiding the substance abuse, eating well, Sleeping well is critical to that. And people don't realize we need the sleep to cope with the stress. And that means not sleeping too much or sleeping too little, trying to hit that six to eight hours a night. Um, finding one fun thing you like to do. Just some good basic self-care is a place to start. Well, thank you, Michelle, for all of that great information. So, Michelle, if anyone needs any type of resources, uh, is there a number they can call? There's now a national number if you're experiencing a crisis. It's a 988. It's like the 911 would be for emergencies, but they like mental health to be to go through that. Instead of having to know a lot of crisis numbers or try to find something, you can always use that number to reach a counselor if you are in need. Um, if it's not an emergency, of course, there's the EAP program. There's reaching out to us. We can help you find resources. Um, so don't be alone with it. and. Don't be afraid to reach out if you need some support. Yes, yes. Thank you, Michelle, for all that great information. And once again, if you are an individual living with uh, vision loss, please visit us on the web at www.bosman.org backslash center. And you can definitely give us a call at 317-684-0600. And make sure you subscribe to the Navigating Blindness podcast on Apple, Google, and SoundCloud. And follow us on all social media platforms. And once again, thank you, Michelle. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you. Thank you.